0: Welcome, everyone, to So Money, our 100th episode. We have come such a long way. Thank you to all of you for listening and supporting me since day one. I can't believe we've reached the centennial already. Oh, my goodness. I'm your host, Farnush Tarabi. It's a pleasure to be hosting the show every single day. Now, for those of you who are interested in the stock market, as I know many of you are, and you've enjoyed listening to the recent episode that I had with Frank Curzio. That was episode 78. You're in for another treat. Today's guest is a trader who made millions by age 22 by investing his bar mitzvah gift money. It was about $12,415 to be exact. He also started a hedge fund during his senior year in college, and today he is continuing his investing magic. His name is Tim Sykes. Now, after his hedge fund went bust in 2007, that's right. He uh, says, don't try this at home, folks. Tim appeared on major TV networks and shows, including a popular reality TV show called Wall Street Warriors, which aired in over 20 countries. And it inspired hundreds of daily emails from fans wanting to know more about him and his trading strategy. So he ended up writing about it openly in a self-published, best-selling autobiography called An American Hedge Fund, and later started a publishing and financial education company he now has over 3,000 students in some 70 countries that he teaches how to trade and grow thousands into millions. He also runs a social network for traders called Profit.ly, Profit.ly, which has about 50,000 members, some of them who pay him to receive daily email tips, weekly newsletters, and access to thousands of videos, such as the trading webinar that he has just begun. Also exciting, Tim recently started a program with former NFL star Plaxico Burress, who will also be on So Money in a couple of weeks. Uh, Tim and Plaxico are helping educate athletes on how to be financially smart with their money, especially once their professional sports careers run their course. Several takeaways from our time with Tim. How did he actually make millions by the age of 22? Like, how did he actually take that Burmizzo money and turn it into gold? And what did he do with that money? And if you're just starting out and new to the active investing world, as many of us are, what should you do first? Here is Tim Sykes. Tim Sykes, welcome to So Money. By the way, this is episode 100. Happy birthday to my show. So honored to have you be the guest that I have on my 100th episode.
1: Thank you. Congrats on the big milestone. That's awesome.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So Tim, you and I go way back. We knew each other when we were just starting out in our respective careers i was a you know a reporter at new at thestreet.com um and you were coming off of the heels of like this massive million dollar um, win from your bar mitzvah money to millions of dollars later you were fresh out of college so it's nice to catch up finally you've been up to quite a lot since we last spoke i was at, probably 10 years ago your um your business has gone to new heights. You're engaged. You're teaming up with Plaxico Burress to educate athletes. So important. What would you say is your uh, your most exciting project right now in 2015? Besides, of course, walking down the aisle soon.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it's been a while. Um, I mean, I have. I love my life. I love my projects. I'm definitely most excited about this teaching athletes, though, because this is such a huge problem where professional NFLers, uh, ex NFLers, ex NBA stars, hockey stars—they think their life is over after their sports career is over, and it's not. It's just their, you know, their their playing career, their playing life is over. They can use their brain. They can use everything they have learned about, you know, anticipation and adrenaline and determination and working hard and transfer those skills to, you know, growing their nest egg, uh, saving for retirement. And not going bankrupt. You know the, the sad fact is that the majority of professional athletes, three quarters of them roughly, go bankrupt or are in financial distress within a few years after their career is over. And then, you know, maybe they sign on to sign some autographs or they're an, uh, an analyst for TV, but they don't really they don't really do anything else. And and that's just wrong. You know, they, they've done so much and they're such great competitors. And I just want to channel all of what they've learned all their lives into something new.
0: I was watching your interview on Fox Business with Maria Bartiromo. You and Plaxico both went on the show and I thought one thing that you said was really really true, rang true was that you know, you're talking about athletes. They are they, and they are just they're competitors. At, that's their nature, right? They're competitive, they're analytical, they uh they do their homework. They they also know they appreciate teamwork. So they're like really well positioned to do well. Um, as business owners, as investors, as people who are good stewards of their money, um, but it's all it all go it all goes to waste because they just don't get the education.
1: I mean, there's a common misconception that you know finance and, and making money in the stock market you have to go to school for years or, or decades, and it's really kind of and at least what I do you know with, with trading stocks it's very momentum based and it's very similar to you know like an athlete reading a quarterback's calls. Um, memorizing playbooks, stuff like that. I mean, if you see a pattern on a football field and you learn how to, like if you're a Plexico and you, you know, try and find the, the opening to, to make the best pass and the ba- best reception, it's very similar with the stock market, but they, no one, nobody ever gives them a chance. No one really tries to build their intelligence over the years. They're just like, okay, you're a player. So focus on playing, focus on your fitness, forget everything else. It's never too late to begin. I don't care if you're an athlete, if you're 20, 30, 40, 50, 70. I have some students who are in their 70s and they're still learning. Um, you know, finance keeps going on and this is the beautiful thing compared to sports because obviously, you know, if you're gonna be a professional athlete, you'd be at a certain time in your life. You can't be, uh, you know, a 70 year old NFL player. But with finance, you have it all your life and they just need to really be given the chance. That, that's what it comes down to. So that's what I'm here to do, I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm going to make you rich, you know, all within a few years, but I'm going to give you the chance to learn a new technique and let's see what you can do.
0: I literally just got this email from a listener. Her name is Lori McNeil. She's 57 years old. And she says, I'm really committed to um, making the most of my money management and retirement savings. Listening to your show has encouraged me to get a part-time job to earn and save more. Boom. Boom, that's so, just it. just goes to show you, it, it is never too late. I'm curious to know about your partnership with Plaxico. Why, how did you two get together? Were you in? A, were you like in a, both in a nightclub somewhere? And you were like, <laughs> hey, you, we should talk after this. You know, this evening.
1: Oh uh, no, I don't. I don't go to nightclubs anymore. That was when <laughs> you knew me when I was much younger. I can't drink at all anymore. I oh, he he reached out to me. You know, he read my book. Um, how I turned a few thousand into a few million and. You know, he was inspired and, and he contacted us and, and my team and I, you know, just really hit it off with him because he has the dedication and he mainly just is willing to give it. By. You know, we sent him the DVDs. He loves my my DVDs. Teaching him is kind of similar to sports in a crazy kind of way. No one's ever really made that connection. So I, it's not like this isn't rocket science. You know, this isn't like teaching like a mouse how to talk or something. I mean, this is just teaching athletes that they have a life after sports career and it's it's sad that too many people i think go to these professional athletes and they say hey you're rich let me manage your money for a fee and the athletes are used to that so the athletes are used to not being in control of their own money and giving it you know power to somebody else and maybe they do well maybe they don't but what i want to do is not manage the athlete's money just give them the power and and that's what i want for everybody you know whether you're 57 or 27 i'm not a big fan of you know having other people Money, even if they make me money, I don't learn. You know, if I trade my own stocks, if I do my own investing, win or lose, I'm learning and I'm growing as a person. And I think that's a, a hugely, you know, underappreciated talent that the stock market and, and finance can teach you.
0: Very, very true. Let's go to learn more now about you. Get inside your brain a little bit, Tim. I want to learn what is your biggest money mantra that helps guide your financial choices?
1: Um, You know, it's mainly just trying to keep up with whatever opportunities there are in the stock market. Uh, You know, when there's a trend like Ebola was a big fear, and so I was trading the Ebola stocks. Uh, When there was a a big debate about police brutality, I was trading police equipment stocks. When you have those kinds of events that happen, uh, if you're prepared for several days, several weeks, several months, if you're on the right side of the trend, I mean, you can double, triple, quadruple an investment and it's not like you need to know about balance sheets and, and get into the the stuff like that. I'm, I'm not even a business major, you know? I, I just kind of look for these these powerful trends and these powerful patterns, and then I try and take the meat of the move. Today, for example, you know, I'm, I was trading this stock. It's up 55% in one day. I sold way too soon, but I locked in profits of roughly $2,000, and you know, that's okay. So. For me, I want to play powerful trends and I have to understand that you don't have to be perfect. You know, you don't need to try and get in at the bottom of a trend and sell at the top. If you try and take the meat of the move and if you can make $2,000 in a day or $2,000 in a week, that is pretty good money. You can't look back and say, oh, I have to time things perfectly. I'm just trying to grow my accounts, grow my wealth and you know, learn as I go.
0: Most people don't have the capacity or the time or the wealth of knowledge to trade like you do to really you know um, really follow these trends and act execute so quickly so let's try to kind of um, you know bring this down to street level like if I'm an act if I'm if I'm a young investor or I'm I'm just young and I want to invest or I'm any age and I want to invest and I want to get into this market um, in a smart way what would you be your biggest tip uh, because everybody kind of thinks they can trade but That's not for everybody.
1: Sure, you know if you look at the stats, most traders lose money. Most investors fail to beat the S and P five hundred year in year out. What I would do for somebody who doesn't have a lot of time, and you know I get this question a lot, is really you know try and find a a small company because I, I really don't think you should be trading or even investing in big companies. You know I know Apple has done well, but aside from that, most stocks fall year in year out. So. I like smaller companies and try and look for just a small company with kind of like a, a new product uh, or a new technology that could take off. You know, we see virtual reality is becoming a good trend. Uh, I wrote this one stock called uh, VUZI where it tripled over the course of six months because people are, accepted, are, are becoming more accepting of wearable computers where they can, you know, have kind of a camera on their eye and it kind of be like virtual reality, you know, Facebook bought Oculus Rift for $2 billion despite having no revenue. So I like trends. You know, I like having the idea of what a product is. And a lot of stocks have great stories They say, oh, we're working on this, we're working on that. I like to buy small companies that have partnerships with bigger companies. Vuzi has an investment from Intel. So that kind of validates their technology. So look for small companies and there's thousands of them that have partnerships or contracts with bigger companies. And you know, Despite most of them not working out as perfectly as you want them to be, if you are even, you know, right two out of 10 times, you have some really nice gains on those big winners. That's what I love about small companies.
0: It's still speculative, though, Tim, you know, and uh, for for those of us who are most of my listeners, I mean, they're not going to be. Creating a whole portfolio filled with you know small stocks or small companies. How much of your portfolio do you think you can safely dedicate to speculation? Would you say it's like ten percent?
1: Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. You know, if, if you're if you're into just passive investing and you know you want to focus on your job and growing your account, definitely I would say ten percent is a good number for speculative. But I do want people to get a little more speculative. You have enough financial advisors who say don't do any speculation, just invest in mutual funds and big caps. You know, life is risky. Okay. Mutual funds dropped 50% in a year, a few years ago, just like stocks. So, a lot of financial advisors want you to think that everything is safe. But for me, I like speculation. If you're not comfortable with speculation, just have a small portion of your portfolio be speculative. The upside is just too great to ignore. I mean, when you can like double or triple your money in a few months or in a few years on a small company, I mean, you're not going to make that on Intel or, or GE or something like that. So, that's just me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You got to have the stomach for it and the money. You got to be willing to lose the money.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I I should say my number one rule, uh, aside from all the trends and you can think you have the best product in the world, cut losses quickly. Okay, put in a stop loss if you don't have time to watch the stock. If, you know, for me, I'm I'm kind of crazy. I'm looking at this stuff every day, but I don't like taking losses of more than five percent. If you want to give it a little more wiggle room, cut your losses at 10 percent. But that way, you never risk disaster. A lot of people trade small companies or invest in them and they go down with the ship because they're like, oh, let me just you know buy this low price stock and, and just hold on and if it goes to zero, so what? It's already only trading at a dollar or two. I never want anybody to go down with a ship. With stocks, it's not like going to, to a casino and, and betting on red or black and you either double your money or lose it all. You can stem the bleeding. And most people need to that know that, whether it's a speculative stock or even if, if it's a big company, you can always exit. You can always cut losses quickly. Commissions are very cheap. All you have to do is be willing to admit that you're wrong. And that's tough for a lot of people. They don't want to take losses. But for me, I have a lot of small losses. The good thing is I don't risk disaster.
0: You have a huge appetite for risk and riding trends and investing in the stock market. Is this in your DNA or was there a money moment in your life that was pivotal that got you to where you are today?
1: Um, I don't think it's in anybody's DNA. I never grew up to want to be a trader. I wanted to be a mutual fund manager and a hedge fund manager and have patience. Um, i tried investing for the long term when I first started with $12,000. And after like three months, my 12000 I think, was like 12100 And I was like, are you kidding me? This is, this is boring. And I, I kind of shifted to more speculative stocks. This was, you know, 15 years ago. And I started trading more volatile stocks and my account grew, you know, in year one from 12,000 to over 100,000. That was a very special time in history. I'm not saying anybody's going to make 10 times their money in a year right now, but you have to really decide what's right for you. And everybody is different. Everybody has a different personality. You know, some people like going from 12,000 to 12,100 in three months. You know, for them, that's okay. My money is working for me. I'm gradually growing. And maybe after like 10 years, you know, your 12,000 is 20,000. That's right for some people. For me, it's not. So you have to really look down deep inside yourself and say, what do you want to do with your money? What are you most comfortable of? You know, a lot of people aren't comfortable with the strategy that I teach. I don't want them to be like, oh my God, I don't want to make this trade, but I have to because Tim is saying this is good. I don't want that. I want you to be comfortable and do what's right for you.
0: Now you made A few thousand. Well, not a few. You had about thirteen, twelve thousand dollars from bar mitzvah money. You turned that into millions. What if you had one takeaway from that time in your life? And like you said, you're not gonna be able to maybe repeat that again in in a lifetime. But what would you say was the the reason behind it?
1: Well, actually, since we last talked, one of my students has now kind of duplicated my feed and actually done better. He's taken 1,500 and turned it into 2.5 million in four years. He shows every trade like I do uh, online on on my website. profitly. Um, the biggest takeaway from both our feats is that you know if you are meticulous, you can move in and out of stocks for rather sizable gains, and you can do this over and over again. And you don't have to be right every time. I'm right about 72, 73 percent of the time. He's right about 65 percent of the time. But if you start looking at your own strategy and your own investments, you know, look at your winning percentage. Look and see what strategy is doing best. You know, I've tried, I don't know, hundreds of strategies. My, my student, his name is Tim Gratani if you want to Google him. He's tried hundreds of strategies. And what we both have learned from our success and our failures is to really focus on specific patterns or specific strategies that we're most comfortable with. And that way it's just rinse and repeat. We're not just trading thousands of stocks randomly. We're focusing mainly on one or two patterns over and over and over again. And that way, you know, you get good at it. This is why like with Plaxico Burris, you know, he's a great wide receiver. Just because he was a former NFL star does not mean that he should try out for the NBA. He is tall. You know, we just had dinner a few nights ago. So you think, oh, why doesn't he become an NBA star? No, he's trained all his life in the NFL. That's what he's good at. So you have to use, you know, what your experience teaches you, and I know it's going to be tough for him to try and transition from NFL star to stock market star, but at least it's similar. It's not like totally different. You know, I I used to be a tennis player. I could never play baseball because tennis and baseball, you know, you have two totally different swings and your brain would get confused. So I want people to really focus on what they know, what they're experienced in and try and use their own strengths to their advantage.
0: What was your biggest financial failure?
1: Um, well, you know, when I got away from my trading rules, um, I never really knew how important my cutting losses quickly rule was until I didn't cut losses quickly and I lost roughly five hundred thousand dollars. Um, I invested too big, I could not get out, you know, it was, it was an illiquid position, so I could not cut losses quickly, and that loss solidified my rules because now I never want another five hundred thousand dollar loss, and since then you know, I haven't. I'm very proud to say, you know, I made nearly a million dollars in 2014 in in profits and trading profits. And my biggest loss, you know, while it's a lot, you know, it was only like 15,000 compared to my biggest gains. It was a small fraction. So I don't ever want to have a big loss. And that's me. You know,
0: when you earned those millions in college, what did you do with the money? Anything that you can recall was like (laughs) where you really put that money to work?
1: Um, I put it to work in a lot of bars and nightclubs. I put it to work <laughs> in a lot of restaurants and on a lot of trips. I've been to a hundred countries now. So you know uh, what
0: it's like to be an athlete that gets an onslaught of money? You know what it's like to have that, you know, that windfall of cash and not know what to do with it.
1: yeah, I mean, i I spent it over many years. I didn't have like a signing bonus like all at once where I go from, you know, college athlete to to multimillionaire. But at the same time, I was also using my money to to trade stocks and invest, so I couldn't really spend it all. As opposed to athletes, where they don't, you know, they don't need to do anything with their money. They just give it to friends and family, and they they splurge and they need, you know, real real education on on how to be more frugal. Um, but for me, I never really spent that much until the past few years. You know, now I have my Lamborghini and I've got a big mansion, and, and you know, I splurge because I've earned it. But when you first make a lot of money, you really should try and be frugal, you know, get your mind in order, get, get everything secure because it's kind of crazy. You know, when I, I did take a few thousand and turn into a million in four years, I had to get my mind in order those first few years. I'm from a middle-class background. I couldn't wrap my head around all of this money. So when you don't really understand your money and you don't understand the situation and, and you know, whether the money's going to keep coming in, do not spend big. Always try and, you know, save some for a rainy day.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk success. We've gone over several of your success points so far, but what would you say is your proudest so-money moment?
1: Um, you know, for me now as a teacher is when my – I wasn't there for my first student to, to cross a million dollars. He just emailed me. But when my second student, Tim Grattani, I flew out to Ohio to visit him when he crossed the million-dollar mark. And this is a kid who had $1,500 to his name – Just three years prior. Um, So for me, you know, I I actually just tweeted about this earlier today. My first one hundred thousand dollar day, when I was a freshman in college, and I took my entire dorm out to dinner. Those two kinds of things where it opens your mind, where you're like, wait a minute, I can make six figures in a day, and you know, you have you like lawyers and doctors making six figures in a year in a good year, and I'm doing this in one day. It opens your mind, and you know when, when Tim Gruatani takes fifteen hundred, turns it into a million. He's now up to two point five million. It opens your just perspective up to the what's possible in the world. And I'm not saying everyone's going to do this. You know, we've worked our butts off, and we've been extremely uh, you know fortunate. But just the possibility of that, I, I love that. I, I love that that potential where anybody in the world, man, woman, child, in America, Europe, Asia, South America. It doesn't matter where you are. If you use your knowledge, if you use the internet, if you use the financial markets, and you really apply yourself. I mean, I studied, I don't know, 16, 17 hours a day before I really started making money. Um, if you're dedicated, you can change your life, and this is the first time in history where I think that's possible. If you go back a few decades or a few centuries ago, it was all about you know what family you're born into, your, your whole situation. Now with the internet, with you know your, your local public libraries, there is no time like the present to really try and excel in life and see what you're capable of.
0: Who were your mentors?
1: The internet. <laughs>
0: that, <laughs> I had nobody.
1: I, I'm totally self-taught. So my job as a teacher now is to be the mentor to people that I never had because I made so many boneheaded mistakes like if I had been my own mentor and I was, you know, making this investment that I would eventually lose five hundred thousand dollars on, I would smack me on both sides of my cheeks and be like, "Do not bet that big on such an illiquid stock; you can't get out of it." But I didn't. I had no mentors, and, you know, I wish more successful traders and investors would go into the teaching field instead of just managing money for, you know, rich snobs. I that's what that was my experience in the hedge fund world. It was boring. I, I love teaching average people so much more. And I want more successful people to to share their secrets and, and experiences.
0: All right. We are almost wrapped here. A few more questions. I love asking my guests about their habits because I think that's what makes us, uh, you mm-hmm. know, just better at whatever we're trying to achieve. And in, I think with money, habits are very, very important. So what is your number one habit when it comes to managing your money well?
1: Um. You know, it's all about being frugal and spending a very small amount of your income because you never know what life is going to throw at you, whether it's the stock market, whether it's your job, whether it's your family or your friends. Uh, You know, I live a very good life, but I also have done very well. I do not like spending more than 10% of my income in any single year. I am extremely frugal in that sense. And I know most people are living well beyond their means because they think the good times are going to last forever. And as somebody who has gone through good and bad times, you just have to play it safe.
0: All right. So let me think of your budget here. You're ten spending 10%. So that includes everything like food, clothing, the Lamborghini, all of it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And so what do you do? The other 90%, I assume some of it you save, obviously. The others you, you invest. What are you doing with the other money?
1: I'm, I pay a, a ton in taxes. <laughs> right. 30% uh,
0: taxes, 40%
1: taxes. 40, 40% taxes. I would love 30%. Um, you know, taxes. Um, I just like to stay in cash. And I have some gold. I have some euros. Um, I have some Bitcoin. I, I am like such a weird guy where I trade these volatile stocks and then I am completely opposite in my savings where, you know, I, I don't have any mutual funds. Money markets don't pay that much. I like staying liquid cash. Cash is king for me.
0: OK, we're going to do some Mad Libs, like fill in the blanks. Uh, okay. really fun. First thing that comes to your mind, finish the sentence. If sure. I won the lottery tomorrow, like, you know, you've made a lot of money in your career, but let's say you win a hundred times that, a thousand times that in one fell swoop. What's the f- the first thing I would do is
1: I would take it uh over time and not one lump sum. So I would be better tax adjusted.
0: Even if you think your taxes are going to go up in the future, wouldn't you rather just know what you're getting?
1: No. And work no. with that. No, you know that that's a common problem where too many lotto winners take the lump sum. It's much a smaller amount, but they love it and they can't deal with it. I'm a big fan of earning gradual money over time so that you can really, you know, get your head around it. It's very scary to make a lot of money too quickly. The whole world is just flipped upside down. Everyone's coming at you to buy them things. I want gradual earnings.
0: Makes a lot of sense. The one thing that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better. Out of that 10%, Tim, what are you buying that makes your life or spending on that makes your life easier or better?
1: Uh, I have a private chef and he actually just delivered me my lunch. And I think that is a huge luxury for me because I'm working just way too much and I need to eat healthy and I don't have time for that. So having my own chef is, is a great expense.
0: Fantastic. My biggest guilty pleasure that I spend a lot of money on? Maybe too uh, much.
1: I love, I love to travel. You know, I, I splurge way too much. Um, I just took my fiance and her family to Napa next week. I'm going to Japan for my birthday. Um, I do it up big when I, when I travel. So that's a guilty splurge, but I enjoy it. You know, if you're going to work hard, you have to spend some money on things you enjoy or else why are you working so hard in the first place?
0: Absolutely. One thing I wish I had known about money growing up is...
1: Uh, you know, that it's just a lot more interesting and a lot more advantageous to you to really respect the journey of acquiring money rather than just getting money itself. I really am not a fan of the lotto where, you know, it's it's based on luck, your odds are terrible, and you don't learn much. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of trying to make money no matter how, whether it's through trading, investing, real estate, um, you know, just saving. It's all about the journey. And no one really ever told me that, you know, where I thought that I, once I had a lot of money, I would be so happy. But when I look back at what makes me happiest throughout my entire journey, it's the, the quest, you know, it's, it's the climb, it's the grind. And, and more people should be interested in that, even though it's not always fun because sometimes during the grind, you mess up and you lose and you're not sure if you can get back up. That whole experience just makes you stronger, wiser and a better person.
0: Success without fulfillment is failure, as a, a wise man named Tony Robbins teaches me. And I love that because I think it echoes a lot of what you said, is that you really appreciate the journey. Your success is not just a, a dollar sign, but it's what's what came before it and what's hopefully going to come after it. That you're actually enjoying what you do. That is priceless.
1: Correct. The sweet is not as sweet without the sour, as Tom Cruise said in Vanilla Sky. <laughs>
0: See, we quote everybody on this show. It's uh, we I, don't we don't discriminate.
1: I mean, it's it's acu- I don't even know if he said that. Maybe it was it was Jason Lee or something. But <laughs> you know, it's it, it's it's so weird to describe because everybody just wants money. They just want to get rich. They they think that's going to solve all their problems. But they don't grow as people. They haven't faced the you know the climb. They haven't faced failure. So what if you do get a lot of money? Then that brings up a whole bunch of new problems, and you're not equipped to deal with it. So. I love the fact that I've had big losses. You know, my top student, Tim Grittani, 1500 into $2.5 million, But a few months ago, he lost $300,000. He went too big on a stock. He didn't cut losses quickly, and he had to pull back. He's made it all back. But that failure made him better and stronger. And without that failure, he wouldn't be the man he is today.
0: When I donate money, I like to gift a blank because...
1: I love to give to really everybody. I'm actually flying to Florida tomorrow uh, to partner with Make-A-Wish. I'm donating $20,000 to this uh, struggling child. He can't move his arms. Uh, he can't talk. He's kind of just has not had any communication with the outside world. But thanks to technology, there is a new age machine where the, the machine can track his uh, eyes and he can move his eyes. And based on certain patterns that his eyes uh, give, he can communicate. So he can like, Turn off the light by moving his eyes to the right twice, um, and that is just going to be a life changer. So I'm I'm so excited to to do that tomorrow. And Make a Wish I think is a fantastic charity.
0: That's amazing. How old is this child?
1: Uh, he's I don't know his exact age. I want to say nine or ten. He's very young, and you know he's had a lot of problems communicating with the outside world. So thanks to technology, this is going to change his world. That's what I really want to do. It's not just about the money. Changing people's lives and, and changing how they live, that is so huge. So there's so many great charities. I mean, Charity Water, uh, obviously giving water to people in, in New York. Uh, I, I love what a lot of these charities are doing, and they're becoming so efficient in their giving, You know, not spending a lot on administrative costs and advertising. So I think right. that's the future.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's phenomenal. And last but not least, I'm Tim Sykes, and I'm so money because...
1: <laughs> because I understand that money will not buy you happiness, but the pursuit and the the quest of trying to get financial freedom and financial independence is the best thing, I think, in life.
0: That's a great way to end. Thank you so much, Tim Slake. Thank you for celebrating my 100th milestone.
1: Happy wasn't for the episode. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Couldn't have had a better guest. I appreciate your time and for all the all of your advice. I know my, my listeners will benefit so much. And uh, best wishes to you. Continued success for, for the new year. Thank you very much.
1: Have a great day.
0: That is a wrap. If you'd like to learn more about Tim Sykes, his website is timothysykes.com. His autobiography is called An American Hedge Fund. We have all this information at SoMoneyPodcast.com, and there, of course, you can find the transcript and comments from this interview and all previous interviews. And please keep your questions coming. As you know, Saturday and Sundays, I devote to you to answer your questions and feedback. It's easy to send me a question. Just hop onto SoMoneyPodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, and ask away. And if you'd like to connect with me more personally, say a 15-minute money blitz, just you and me over Skype, go over to iTunes, leave a review. I choose one new reviewer every week at the top of my Saturday show, and that person receives that free 15-minute money session. Uh, I would love to hear from you. I love reviews because, as you know, reviews help to keep the show in the spotlight. And I know for a fact that because my show has been ranking well on iTunes, it is thanks to your support. That's it. That's all there is. It's your support and uh, I, I'm feeling the love, guys. So if you'd like to connect with me one-on-one for that chance, leave a review, and hopefully I will select you. Thanks so much to my guest, Tim Sykes, for joining us today and for all of his amazing, amazing tips. Uh, thanks to you for joining me once again. Hope to see you back here tomorrow. In the meantime, hope your day is so money.